This is Reggie Kelly, former Cincinnati Bengals and Atlanta Falcons tight end, and you're listening to TNT Thursday Night Tailgate. Brace yourself for the explosion. All right, now back in making his fourth appearance with us here on Thursday Night Tailgate is former Dolphins defensive back Sean Wooden. Let me remind you about Sean's background. He's from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, played his college ball at Notre Dame, where he famously batted down a last-second pass from Charlie Ward of the then number one-ranked Florida State Seminoles in 1993 to preserve a 31-24 victory in South Bend. While at Notre Dame, he earned his bachelor's degree in computer science. He was drafted in the sixth round by the Miami Dolphins in 1996. He played safety and defensive back in the NFL from 96 to 2003, all but one of those seasons with the Dolphins. He played one season in Chicago in 2000. For his career, he had 281 tackles. Eight fumble recovers, five interceptions, and he forced one fumble, and we are honored he is back with us again tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Sean, Chris, and Bob, thanks for coming Hi, back Sean. on the show. Hey, Chris and Bob. Hey, hey, you cheated me out of a year. I know I was on injured reserve, but hey, I still get pension for that year, so 2004. <laughs> 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 All right, we don't want to cheat you out of that pension year for sure. I promise you that. Yeah, I don't. I don't want them to come back and say, hey, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Sean, I want to start out our time with you tonight by going back to your college days. I read that you dreamed of going to an Ivy League school, running track, and being an Olympic track athlete like Carl Lewis. But then you ended up visiting Notre Dame, and somehow Lou Holtz convinced you to go there and play football. How did he change your mind? Hey, it was was weird. It was strange. You know, um, I, I didn't even realize. And, you know, it wasn't Lou Holtz that really changed my mind. It was actually Joe Paterno. Um, you know, I, I, my, my coach talked me into going to a, a football camp during one of the summers at, at Penn State. And, again, like I said, I was a track guy. I was pretty fast. So we go and we run the 40 there. And Joe Paterno pulls me over to the side. And, you know, before then, you know, I wasn't being recruited by any of the major schools, really, you know, it, you know, the only thing, only people that have really shown interest were, you know, the D2 schools and also some, some Ivy League schools. So, you know, Joe Paterno started. And then, you know, once Penn State came on board, Joe Paterno, you know, offered me a scholarship. Then they all just started, you know, down the line, you know. So it was really Joe Paterno that actually changed my mind in the, in the playing football some way. You know, saying that I, I had an opportunity to be able to, you know, if I went to Ivy League school, I still would have had to, you know, I would have still had some bills. But if I went to Penn State, <laughs> if I went to Penn State or, you know, any of these other schools that were offering full rides, then, you know, I didn't have to pay for anything. I had a training table. I was able to eat <laughs> and, and do those things. So it, it wasn't pretty hard to make that decision. So since Paterno had had a big influence on you and, and got that ball rolling, how did you not end up at Penn State and, and being at Notre Dame instead? Oh, trust me, that, that that was very hard. I mean, I still joke to this day with my uh, a good buddy of mine, teammate or two good buddies actually, Penn State guys that I played at uh, the Dolphins with OJ McDuffie and Troy Drayton. And actually, OJ was my host, was one of my hosts. So I said I always tell him that I was the one that got away. But it it, it was difficult. It it was very difficult. But, you know, Notre Dame, um, you know, of course, I'm biased and everything. I think it was the best thing for me, Um, not only as a, you know, as a football player, as a student, as a person, dad, uh, uh, you know, a husband. You know, it it was just, it created the whole package of, you know, who I am today. So, 
it, it's uh I think that was probably you know the best thing that happened to me is you know choosing Notre Dame over Penn State, even though I know that if I ended up at Penn State, it was still you know that's still a great university. Sean, like I mentioned in your intro, you saved the game for Notre Dame back in '93 against number one Florida State. You batted down that pass from Heisman Trophy winner Charlie Ward, but most people probably don't know is that you tore your ACL in that game, but you kept playing. Talk about that play and yeah. how you were able to play through a torn ACL. Um, you know, I, when you're young, you're dumb. <laughs> See, that's what I equated to. Didn't even know any better. You know, I just thought, you know, I was, it was, you know, thought it might be just ripped a little, even though there's no such thing as being ripped a little when you tear your ACL. Um, but you know, just got taped up. I, I, it was a couple, couple minutes before they were kicking the onside kick. I was in the front row and. They kicked it to my side. And the ball just dribbled. I didn't want to attack it because it was, you know, taking some crazy hops. So I wanted it to come to 10 yards, get to me. And by the time it got to me, you know, split second, they hit me. And none of my other players at Notre Dame helped me out, actually. You know, they were supposed to come block. But, you know, if you watch the film, you see a couple of them holding their mouth, you know, put their hands up to their mouth because they, they knew I got hit pretty hard. Um, but was able to hold on to the ball. So eventually we went back into the game. Uh, you know, it was, I knew it was an important game. Didn't realize how, you know, it was a game of the century or anything like that. I just knew that, you know, Florida State was ranked number one when we were ranked number two, and I wanted to be in there if, you know, we had opportunities to, to close it out. And, you know, after I knocked down that pass, actually one of my teammates jumped on my back in the celebration, which tore the ACL completely. Ooh. So, yeah. So not only was I injured before the play, I got completely injured after the play. <laughs> Brutal. And Florida State would go on to win the national championship that season only because the following week you guys lost to number 17 Boston College. Was that one no, of the No, it was because it was because the coaches loved Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden was a great guy, he was a great coach. Everybody loved him. He had that southern <laughs> accent and he never won a championship before that. That's the reason why. <laughs> so losing losing to Boston College the next week, was that just an emotional letdown? What happened that next week? Oh, completely. Completely. I mean, hey, I have no idea. I wasn't at practice for the game. I actually had surgery that uh that morning uh, of the game and I was in the infirmary throwing things at the at the T V screen when I was watching. <laughs> uh, I didn't make the trip or anything like that, so yeah, I mean, I was a spectator looking at it myself and just wondering what the what the heck went on because you know that wasn't the teammate, the team, the team that I I knew that I practiced with that whole season. And, you know, like you said, it was an emotional letdown. You know, we we got past you know it was David versus Goliath in that game. You know, Florida State was one of the best teams or the best team that ever played the game. You know, leading up to it, it was the first college game day ever. ESPN, um, and you know, it was just. Literally an emotional letdown. You know, we we uh we went in there and didn't know didn't do what we had to do. You know, we had a couple of people banged up, but you no know, injuries is not an excuse in the game of football. Bob, questions for Sean? Yeah, thanks for joining us, Sean. I want to take you back to your high school days. I was checking out some of the uh, the high schools back then. You know, the Abington High School. You, Eddie George. Uh, you know, and, and I, and we've mentioned on the show a lot, Sean, about the, the football competitiveness in Pennsylvania at the high school level. I mean, I went to school in New Haven, 
in the 90s, and, and uh, their team would play a lot of the, uh, as you know, the Pennsylvania colleges, Edinburgh, your Cutstowns, your teams like that, and they were just so good and tough. And you know a lot of these kids that were playing for those teams just were the ones that just couldn't get into Pitt or Penn State or whatever. But uh, talk about your experience there at Abington and the competitiveness of Pennsylvania football on the whole. Oh, I think Pennsylvania football is very competitive. I mean, you look throughout, you know, NFL lineups and college, great college players, you know, you'll see a ton or ton of uh, Pennsylvania athletes in there. Um, you know, back then it was, it was so interesting, you know, because, you know, those, those kids that you were talking about, kids I played with, we, we, you know, we used to call them swingers because they really didn't have a, they were great athletes, great players, but didn't really have a position where they're too small to be a linebacker, but they, you know, did just as well, or they were, you know, was too small to be, whatever it was, they weren't the prototypical size, but they had the heart. We, you know, I like to say, uh, you know, Pennsylvania football is all blue collar football. We'll hit you in the mouth and line back up. But, you know, it's, it's, it was amazing, you know, some of the athletes that I played against or played with. Um, I didn't even realize that Sean McDermott was a, 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 a opposing safety when I was running back in high school. You know, I played against. Um, you know, I think I re- I'm trying to find some film of me running them over so I can just send it up to <laughs> Buffalo. But it's, I can't, I can't seem to get those films. They're back to, they're not, they're not really available. They're not like they're on VHS or anything like that. They were, they were literally probably on eight million, eight, uh, eight millimeter film. <laughs> and sure, Chris, I think, you, I think you're going to get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Chris had mentioned the on-the-field stuff at Notre Dame. I want to talk a little bit more about the athletics and the on-campus experience. Uh, you know, when you got there, Sean, I mean, this is a place where athletes actually do attend classes. It's tough. <laughs> it's, uh, there are a lot of expectations. How did you uh, find the transition to it, and uh, was it really tough at the beginning? Oh, yeah. I mean, when when I went to college, it was, it was an eye-opener. You know, I was an A student in high school, tested very well in AP classes, all that. So, right. you know, in order to be able to get in there, then you do have to be, you know, a well-rounded, you know, student athlete. And they literally put student first. My first year, I was an engineer major. I was taking 18 credit hours my first semester, like in playing football, which was literally impossible to do. Um, mm. I had to, and not to the point of I had to drop from the club because it was just that intense. You know, I still had the 15 credit hours. But it was it was intense. It was very difficult. My major changed. I was an electrical engineer major, and I was like, I, I can't, I can't, I won't be able to do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I literally won't. So you know, I changed over to computer science and got my degree in computer science and computer engineering. But it was uh, I'm not saying no, that was easier. It was just the you know there was no no leeway. You know, we had labs. If you had a computer, if you had an electrical engineering lab or a chemistry lab or anything like that, that that was precedent over football. But you had to remember, and Lou Holtz made sure I understood this. I had to remember who was actually paying the bills. So, right, I could I couldn't slack off in football because of academics. You can't slack off of, you know, because you can't use academics as an excuse to not be there, not show up. So you have to make time. You have to be able to. You know, like I said, you have to be a student and you have to be an athlete. And sometimes that was a, you know, you had to give up some things in the student life or what a regular student would love to do. 
And I always tell you know, friends of mine now that didn't play football and everything that I'm still friends with, I would have loved to just been to go back for it, it just been a regular student and just see and, you know, get as much from Notre Dame as you could because that's very difficult as a student athlete. I hate to say it, but there are sacrifices. <laughs> Sean, like I mentioned in your intro, during your NFL career, you recovered eight fumbles. I imagine it can get nasty on the bottom of a pile when you recover a fumble. Did anything crazy or scary ever happen to you at the bottom of one of those piles wrestling for the football? Oh, yeah. All eight of them. Probably, <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 it's dirty down there. I mean, you're doing things or trying to do, or they're trying to do things to you that, you know, you don't like to admit. You wouldn't admit to your mother or anybody like that, your kids. Um, but yeah, there's, there, there's, I, I, I just remember one time I was literally screaming at the ref to try to get people off me because I, I think that someone was trying to, one person was trying to twist my ankle the other way and make my foot, you know, face the Ooh. other way. Another guy was doing some stuff to my middle section that <laughs> I'm not going to be crude every and, and then another guy was literally trying to like rip, like put his fingers in my mouth. I was about to bite like and just rip my jaw down. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> it, it was it was basically anything that they could do to you, anything that you could think of would happen in that. You no know, biting, kicking, clawing, you know. Brutal. Whatever they could do to get that ball away from them. And remember back then, that's when, you know, people were jumping on the There were, there were the rules that we have now for player safety. And Sean, in your second season, 1997, week one, you guys play the Colts. You pick up two passes from Jim Harbaugh. You trying to get the films of those and send those to Jim to remind him every year when Notre Dame plays Michigan, what you did to him? I, 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 I won't lie. I would love to do that. Now, I, I was kind of hoping that maybe he would have been the next coach or adult. That way I would have had it open. And I, maybe he would have uh, gave me some free tickets or something. <laughs> but no, yeah. yeah. Uh, I do have film of those. I do have film of those. But yeah, um, I, I, I learned a lot. I remember my, my rookie year um, when I got a pick from Drew Bledsoe. Uh, you know, the, you know, the older guys on the team, the veterans and all that stuff, they actually convinced me to try to get the ball signed by Drew after the game. And let me tell you, <laughs> you don't go up to it. <laughs> and I'm like, you think you'll be cool with that? This is my first, like, this is one of my first picks. This is my first, you, you serious? Like, all naive. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, man, he'll do, he's a great guy. Like, he'll understand. He'll do it for you. Trust me. Man, you don't do that to us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go up to a closing court and try to get him to sign an interception. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Sean, I read one of your favorite parts about playing in the NFL was when you guys had an opportunity to play on Monday Night Football. Talk about why that was special for you. Well, I'm telling you, Monday Night, so, you know, your parents, every, every one of your parents is watching the game. Everybody that plays in the NFL, uh, you know, in you know, just the regular, you know, everybody in America is watching Monday Night Football. You know, when the Dolphins or, you know, the Bears, when I was playing with the Bears, when we played on Sunday, it was only Bears fans watching that game or only Dolphins fans watching that game or the opposing fans, whoever you were playing. But on Monday night, everybody watches Monday Night Football. So it, it just made that more intense. It made it more exciting, The you know, all the theatrics that the, you know, 
ABC or ESPN or whoever, you know, was, you know, televising the game at that time was doing. I mean, it, it was big time. I remember when, you know, we were playing and John Madden was still, you know, announcing my name. But he came to one of our practices and he said, Sean, come over. And I'm like, whoa, like John Madden knows who the hell I am. <laughs> he called me by my first name. You know, that I was like on a high name. I'm like, this guy knows. <laughs> and that's when Madden was out and, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be on the cover of Madden, but just for John Madden to know my name was like, I was like, whoa, you know, it was, it was pretty intense. It was, it was a very, uh, exciting, uh, part of being in the NFL. You know, one of the memories I will always have, you know, may rest in peace, but you know, he was that big of an individual that literally as a player, professional football, if he calls you by your first name, you just thought, you know, you, it made the world to you. It meant the world to you. So, you know, that's what Monday night was all about. Being able to, you know, show your stuff in front of everybody. And not just, and I'm not talking about coaches or anything, but, you know, the other players. Right. The the best thing for, you know, professional athlete or any other type of athlete is to get the respect of, a, you know, another player. So on one of your teammates, Zach Thomas, is a finalist uh, for the Hall of Fame this year. Talk about playing alongside of Zach and uh, what made him such a great linebacker. So me and Zach, we go way back. You know, we came in together. He was a fifth-round pick. I was a sixth-round pick, so we were back-to-back picks. Um, you know, we lived in the same apartment complex my rookie year, our rookie year. Um, and we stay friends to this day. Our families are, are you know, pretty close. Zach is just an a, a amazing individual. And I'm not just talking about football. He's an amazing man, amazing husband, amazing father to his kids. Amazing brother, you know, son, whatever. He's just an amazing individual. What made him so his drive? Zach was that guy. That, I mean, I thought I watched him. I thought I watched a lot of film, and you know, I, I used to write game analysis software for some of the NFL teams, so I, I knew what it was about. You know, analyzing your opponent and knowing what they want to do or how they want to attack. Zach just took it to. He was almost like. And it, it's it's the kind of thing that I should probably use, but like hey, OCD, like he he was over at the facility. I would probably say fourteen hours a day, every day. You know, it, it was like that. Zach was watching film. Zach would tell you probably he could probably tell you every player he played against which shoe they tied first. Like he was that type of guy, that analytical. He was he was able to process it, not only just be able to watch film, but he was able to process it, use it to his advantage. So Zach knew plays before they were, you know, and it wasn't. He was an instinctual player, but I think the instinct came because he just analyzed people so much and so well. Like I always say, Zach, you, know, you need to be Secret Service on because you'll be able to walk in the room and assess who has a, you know, who has, you know, a gun or something or a weapon just because, you know, their body language. Like he was that, he had those type of things. So, and because he had those type of things, he worked so hard at it. I mean, Zach was no bigger than me. I mean, Zach was, he says he's six foot. Zach's not. He's five eleven. He wish he was six foot. <laughs> He's five eleven. <laughs> he, he weighed two fifteen, two twenty. They lied and said two twenty five, two thirty. He wasn't that big, <laughs> but he was. He just worked that hard, and that's the respect. That, I mean, the, the things that and the stuff that he accomplished, the amount of tackles and interceptions, and just you know playing with that guy, he made people better. And if you looked at you know the years that he was on the defense for the Dolphins or any other team, you know the defense did extremely well. In the, in the games that he was hurt, we didn't do so well. So it's 
he not only made himself better, but he made people around him better. And that's what leaders do. And Zach wasn't a rah-rah guy. It was just, well, shoot, he's doing that. I'm coming in here. He's in there. I'm leaving. And Zach's still in here. And this is, I'm not talking about our first year, second year. This is his eighth year in the league. And he's still doing that same thing. It's, it rubs off on people. Bob, one more for Sean before we let him go. Yeah, Sean, just a little bit more on that defense. When you came in the league, you mentioned Jack Thomas was a young guy. You had some young guys on that defense uh, to begin with. I mean, Trace Armstrong had been there a while. And one other guy that sticks out to me was Lewis Oliver, who was to me was always an underrated guy. He was picking off four or five passes every year. Talk more about your relationship with Lewis and uh, his legacy. Well, Lewis was my roommate my rookie year. Lewis yeah. is one that taught me taught me the game. You know, I was remember I came in the league as a corner, and then they you know I was a Don Nickel Don, and then Jimmy named me a starter at safety right next to Lou. You know, for that first preseason game, so. You know, Lou was the one that Lou got me on the phone with Ronnie Lott, Steve Atwood, you know, just to give me some some tips or you know some you know just making sure that I had the the backing, you know, them telling me what to do and you know just calming me down because I was very anxious, you know, you know being a corner and never playing safety before that that would have been different. And then coming to the league, you know, I was undersized. Lewis was a man. Lou, Lou's still the man. To this day yeah. down here in South Florida, but no, nah, he was he was he was that type of teammate. I think I came in and lose tenth, eleventh year maybe. Um, you know, later in his career, I don't even think no, nah, not that because he's not that much older than me. But you know, later in his career, he didn't have to help this young dumb rookie. You know how to watch film, how to you know make sure that you're doing the right things and stuff like that. Lou was the one that taught me the game at the pro level. And uh, I'm telling you this, I wouldn't have lasted nine years without having Lewis Oliver in my life my first year with the Dolphins. Sean, before we let you go, let our listeners know what you're doing now. Uh, now I'm a financial advisor. You know, after I was done playing, uh, 2005, I retired um, and got into finances right away. You know, financial advising, helping people out just because, you know, one is, you know, everybody asks why not use my major goal. I graduated college in 1995, and I start, I stopped playing football in 2005. We all know what happened from 95 to 2005. You know, computers weren't even the same. You know, we were carrying computers around in our hands that could compute more than what what uh, probably a whole whole room of computers could do back in 95. You know, not so it was it was it was very it would have been very difficult for me to go back into my major. Um, and a lot of people already was, you know, that I graduated school with already advanced in their careers and everything. So I got into finance, you know, took finance classes in college while I was there. Got into finance and finance advisor ever since. So now, you know, I'm a partner in my own firm down here in South Florida. We have clients all over. I tell, say, tell the people we have clients in all 50, uh, well, all the states except Hawaii. I'm still, you know, so if one of your listeners is a, the person in Hawaii, don't, don't use this as a solicitation, but, I would love to have a client in Hawaii just to be able to go out there for business. Round it out? For, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, for, for business purposes. That's all. <laughs> John, let our listeners know as well. How can they follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? Uh, social media on Twitter. I'm, I'm real simple, real easy. At SeanWooden.com on Instagram or Twitter. So makes it pretty simple, makes it easy. But Sean, Sean we can't thank you. 
There you go. Don, we can't thank you enough for joining us again tonight. You're always terrific, my friend. We hope you'll come back and join us again sometime soon. Oh, sure. No, thank you guys for having me, Chris and Bob. And I appreciate the, uh, the offer and the, to having you on. Anytime. Take care, Sean. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. All right. Be well, guys. Take care. See you, Sean. That's a great Sean Wooden. Boy, boy, that was fun. He's, he's a fun guy. I love the energy and uh, I love the humor and uh, great stories on top of all of that. Yeah, he's got the blue collar background, Chris, and uh, played with some greats in Miami, so he's got a lot of stories. Uh, can't wait to speak with him next time. All right, we've got our next guest, Tony Collins, and our five star picks of the week. Hanging online, we're going to get to Tony right on the other side of this real quick station break. 